Have you had to dismember any bodies yet? Not yet. I've been watching Fargo, so that's come across my mind. Dismembering bodies. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Fun Boat Diplomacy Podcast. Just a couple quick plugs before we get into it. If you use uh, Amazon and you want to support the podcast this holiday season, you can go to my website, funboatdiplomacy.com, and on the right-hand side of any pages, uh, you'll find my Amazon portal link. Just click on the link and shop on Amazon as you normally would, and Amazon will share a small cut with me to keep everything up and running into the new year and beyond. Another quick plug, for those of you who have plans to or could be persuaded to come visit the amazing city of San Francisco, you can come stay with me at the Pacific Trade Winds Hostel where I work, and you get a $5 discount for reservations from now until December 24th, uh, which is Christmas Eve. Just use the discount code Wayman, that's my name, Wayman Xmas Deal to get that discount when you make a reservation online. That's Wayman, W-E-I-M-I-N, Xmas, X-M-A-S, deal, D-E-A-L. All together, one word, all capital, uh, and make the reservation online before December 24th to save $5. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and please enjoy this week's Star Wars-filled episode with Mike Santini. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Fun Boat Diplomacy. I'm here today with my good friend, Mike Santini. Welcome, Mike. What's up, Wayman? Yeah, how you been? I can't complain too much. Life's been good. Uh, living here in a beautiful, historic downtown Richfield, Connecticut. <laughs> well, is that where you're originally from, Richfield? Yeah, originally from, born and raised. And so how's it like being back and working at home? Um, so... When I was in D.C. figuring out what the next step in my life was going to be, never in a million years did I think that I'd be back in Richfield, Connecticut. Um, I'm a very social person. I like arts and entertainment, nightlife. I like a lot of stuff going on. Um, Those are all things that Richfield does not have. So I was very hesitant about moving back. However... The job opportunity that presented itself here at the Prospector Theater, where I work, a nonprofit movie theater dedicated to providing job opportunities to adults with disabilities, was my main motivation for moving back um, to be a part of this fantastic startup and to help give back to a community that provided me with so many awesome things growing up. And uh, I found that I'm really enjoying my time here in Ridgefield. Um, it's still small suburban Connecticut, but um, you get to look at things with a whole new lens when you're older and you have experiences under your belt. Uh, can you describe a bit more this uh, the Prospector Theater? I've, I've seen you post all the time about this, but it is always I'm always curious to learn more yeah. about it. So we're a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization that hopes to provide job opportunities to adults with disabilities. We do so through the operation of a four-screen movie theater, uh, complete with a bar, restaurant, and cafe. Uh, We screen first-run movies, so the major blockbusters. Uh, The week they come out, we got them. We'll be showing Star Wars on Thursday. So excited. Uh, But 
aspect of theater is um, the the real Jedi mind trick, to use a very timely analogy. Uh, the real Jedi mind trick of the prospector is that it's not a movie theater. Uh, what we truly are is a vocational academy, a technical college, a training school where we can teach and train transferable job skills to adults with disabilities, the most uh, underrepresented minority in the workforce, 57 million Americans with disabilities in this country, and there's an 80% unemployment rate. So only one out of five uh, disabled people have a job. Uh, our ultimate goal is to create the teaching, training, techniques, the tools, curriculum, uh, methodology, adaptive technology, that helps people with disabilities overcome barriers for employment. Um, and what I've found with my uh, time here, and this is really the first job I've ever had with uh, working with people with disabilities, or truly my first experience working with people with disabilities, what I've found is that I am interacting with individuals on a daily basis who are incredibly talented who are motivated, hardworking, uh, dedicated, passionate, and let alone employable. Uh, there is a stigma and a stereotype in society that uh, having a disability means you can't do something. Um, and what I've learned over the course of uh, the year and a half that I've been here is that that label's, uh, that label's unfair and that label is, it does not talk to um, the abilities of a person. So here at the Prospector, we hone in on somebody's abilities, their their strengths, their talents, or what we call sparkle, and we show an individual how they can use that sparkle uh, to create a career for themselves. So if you really like illustration, we're going to bring you aboard. We're going to get you work in our graphic design department so you can help make flyers and posters and promotional materials. Or if you really like filmmaking, we're going to bring you on board and have you be a part of our production department who is responsible for creating all of the material that you'll see before a movie. So we don't have any major nationwide ads on our screens um, before the showing. You won't see an ad for Verizon. You won't see an ad for Car Fox or whatever the hell that thing is. You're going to see ads that we've created working with local businesses and national businesses. You're going to see homemade trailers that we've created in-house that are shot, edited, starring, produced by our prospects, the name of all employees here. Uh, so the business and the mission of this place are like wholly intertwined so that everything here is to create a job opportunity and those job opportunities help further the mission, which helps create more job opportunities and so on and so forth. Um, it's, a, it's a complex model. It's an incredibly out-of-the-box uh, approach. We often like to say, what box? We didn't even realize there was a box. Um, but the work that we're doing really is, uh, it, it's, it needs to be done, and it represents a huge area for growth, not only within our country, but within the world, looking at uh, the one billion people worldwide with disabilities. Yeah, it's, I, I like that uh, the idea of having no ads, but making your own ads uh, for businesses around Ridgefield, and then also... So you would make you would make trailers for films that are coming up. Is that... Yeah. So we make our own in-house trailer too, uh, which is pretty sweet. Uh, so is there a, is there an archive of all those online? 
Yeah, all that stuff can be uh, found on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash prospector theater. Um, and all of our videos on there, whether it's a training video, mm -hmm. our mission videos, PSAs that we've made, mm -hmm. um, promotional videos, trailers, uh, ads that we've created in, in coordination with some of our strategic partners. There's a, there's a bunch of awesome stuff that we're doing, uh, and it's all created by incredibly talented individuals. Cool. Um, I, I really like the idea of um, being creative and then fueling the local economy like that, or not just putting on an ad for, what do they have ads for these? I haven't gone to the cinema since uh, August, I think. Last thing I saw was uh, Straight Outta Compton, but I, I, it's just... Uh, Which was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, but I don't, what, what do they advertise? Yeah, they do, they do like phone advertisements, uh... Yeah, you'll get like some of like, like um, like Coke and Pepsi always do big ones depending on what it is, or um, you know, like they have um, you go to like a major cinema chain and they'll have like their own like trivia stuff beforehand. Like we have our own trivia, but it's a video that's starring one of our prospects who knows more than anybody in the world about Star Wars. We have one prospect here named Joe. And he literally is like a Star Wars expert. He has uh, this like database of all these facts um, and like little Easter eggs and stuff about Star Wars. So we have him um, create a series called uh, F Facts of the Force. And that's part of our pre-show content as he comes on the screen dressed up in his full Jedi regalia, which he makes himself with his lightsaber that he uh, fashions himself um, and he talks about Star Wars and that's tapping into his sparkle as somebody that really likes Star Wars and showing him how he can help further the business by creating a marketing material which is going to market this movie which is going to generate ticket sales which is going to generate concession sales so um, you know like it's all about doing stuff that's fun that makes sense uh, and that helps to promote what we're doing because I'll be the first to say it and I really had no idea going into this job but the movie theater industry is dying and it's dying quickly um when you look at what the licensing fees for movies are um generally speaking for every dollar that we retain at the box office about 55 to 65 cents of that dollar goes straight to the movie studios so we don't even see that money mm -hmm. that's why your concessions are so high at a movie theater because with the studios taking more than half of the money you make at the box office, there has to be an avenue to generate some revenue. So we're dealing with an, an, an outdated model, um, and we're also competing with, you know, the latest technologies. Uh, in the part of Connecticut, which I am, which I live in, Fairfield County, there's people that have movie theaters in their basement, and with Netflix and with pay-per-view and with Pirate Bay and streaming and all that stuff. You don't have to go to the movie theater anymore. Um, but not only is our mission the, the, the focus of, of our business, but we're also creating a movie experience unlike any other. So we have the best customer service you'll ever find. We have an usher that greets you at the door when you walk in. He opens or he or she opens the door for you and greets you. Uh, our, our staff is fun and attentive. Uh, every Before every screening, a prospect will greet the audience. So they'll come out, they'll say, hey, my name is Mike. I'm an usher at the Prospector Theater. Today you're going to be seeing Star Wars. 
Um, also coming up, here's some of our big events, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, if you need anything else, let me know. So, you know, pinks are, pinks are company color here. We like to say that we, we extend a pink glove service to anybody that walks in that door. Um, we have our own gourmet popcorn class here where we make gourmet popcorn. So we're making our own concessions items. You know, everything has a personal prospect or touch to it. So when you walk into our theater, it's literally like being transported back in time to the golden era of movie going. Mm. It's not like, uh, you know, your major chains like car mics or, or AMC when you go in and there's, there's nine ticket kiosks and there's nobody working the register and everything's done through that computer screen. And then you go to the concession stand and it's self-serve soda. Like, no, we, we, we have people come in and interact with our prospects, create face-to-face time where they can have their perceptions of, people with disabilities changed, but also at the end of the day, we're creating empathy uh, in a culture of technological advancements and, and, and isolation from that technology. What we need now more than ever is real human connection. So yeah, we have our screens and we show movies through technology, but we're pairing that technology with the empathy that we can create, sharing a movie together, being able to talk about that movie after, or for you to come up to me at the box office, Wayman, and we can have an intense conversation about what movies I like that I'm excited for coming Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. Movies are really a way for us to to find what's human. Yeah, with all this content out there, all these movies coming out so frequently, then they go directly to streaming and everything. uh, We've lost this uh the movie going experience like for i know for me i don't watch as many movies as often because i don't have the attention to sit down in front of my computer and watch a movie but if i go to a if i go to a a cinema then uh, i'm forced to sit there and and devote all of my attention to that that film and so on top of all the things that you just mentioned uh it's it's important to to really enjoy a movie to, to to devote your entire attention to it yeah, and I think that's also a byproduct of like, like, wait, me and you are from a generation that's going to have some serious issues. Like when when everything is all said and done, when you know the generation that's currently in power in this country and around the world, when we step up to the plate, like we're we're entirely socialized differently. We've mm-hmm. known the internet mm-hmm. since the since it became like a household thing. We've we've known what it's like to have mobile technology and what it's like to not have it. We're connected through our phones. We're the ones that were first on Instagram, and now, you know, we don't even know as much about Instagram as uh, as an eleven year old kid. Yeah. Um. So I like I, as more and more stuff happens, as like the rise of automation, as we have all of this technology, there's a fine line between it being a blessing and, and it being a curse. Mm-hmm. And I think what what we're doing here is trying to show people that you can navigate that line very easily. Um that yes, technology can play an important life or important role in our lives and it can it can help to solve a lot of problems, but there's a point where like it becomes OD and then it takes away from the experience of living. Um, which, you know, like like you said, we can see that in our attention span. I know that it's very hard for me to sit down and focus like solely on one thing because I'm used to multitasking. I'm used to having like three different apps up while I'm also on the computer, while I'm watching like Netflix in the background, while my PlayStation 4 is on pause for the moment, but I'm going to come back to it and play that later. Like it's, it's, it's go, go, go all the time for us. Um, When's the last time you tried to read a book? What was that? When's the last time you tried to read a book? (laughs) The last time I tried to read a book, 
I read a book. Um, I've, I just read a book recently, actually. I've been reading excerpts from a bunch, a bunch of different studies and journals. Um, and uh, I would say the last time, like I sat down and like fully went through a book. I live, I have a very busy work life. It was probably uh, this past summer. Um, I recently got back into Stephen King, mm. and I I read the entire like dark half in a matter of like a week. Um, and you know, like I wish I could read more books. I wish I had the time to do it. But at the end of the day, when I go home after like a twelve-hour work day, because right. that's not uncommon for me, mm-hmm. um, I'd much rather you know throw on Netflix and and, and mindlessly watch it yeah. than I would try to like stimulate my mind at at, at twelve o'clock at night. Right. It's and, the same. Like for me, I have a couple books uh, in my possession right now, and I have maybe like two pages in. I just can't. My my attention is such dog shit these days. Uh, I need yeah, to just go out somewhere and fucking focus <laughs> yeah, it's crazy too like to think about like you know, we think our lives are, are so hard for this and for that and like you know like that whole like first world problem thing like joking about that like although that's satirical it's it's incredibly alarming like mm-hmm. i don't i really am like worried about what's going to happen with uh with technology in the future and stuff when you can like see our ancestors like like they went out and they bought books the day that they came out, and then they went back to their house and they read books. And I was like, books, 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 because that's the only thing that you had. That was your way to experience the world. Mm-hmm. That was your lens through which you were able to see somebody's um, successes or failures or challenges. Um, that was your way of creating empathy. And nowadays, our ways of creating empathy are, are a lot bigger. Um, they connect us to a lot more people, which is a good thing and also a bad thing. Um, they definitely do create empathy, but it's not the same. It's, it's a different type. It's like, um, it's like quick little bites here and there versus like sitting down and enjoying a really big meal. Yeah. The, the, the Twitter culture of having little short bites as mm-hmm. the norm, not, not whole chapters of things. It, I have trouble with it. You characters or less. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Let's talk about Star Wars, because I'm. <laughs> what's uh What's been crazy for me is I've been trying not to watch any of the trailers. I don't know if you know anybody like that. Wow. Or yeah. So. How are, do you watch TV? No, I don't. Okay, I was about to say. Yeah, I don't have um, access that, to television. That's the one thing about this Star Wars movie. Like, all right, disclaimer: I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. Like, of huge. Yeah. Like ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been waiting for this movie since like 2005, since the last movie came out. Yeah. Um. But the one thing that I'm, like, really worried about in the whole Disney acquisition um, was that uh, if you – like, it's hard to avoid Star Wars at this point. Um, they've really, really pimped out the entire brand um, to any and all people that want to display it. Like, you watch TV now, and there's a Dodge commercial that has nothing to do with Star Wars, but at the end it's, you know – blockbuster sale of the, of the winter go see star wars you got campbell's you got cheese it's you got all the toys that they're pushing you got target's got star wars commercials you got fiat's got their own star wars commercial um uh then you know uh, all of the other specifically branded stuff you got star wars cereal you got a star wars toaster you go into Kohl's. there's a whole star wars section so on like one side that makes me very happy that like something that I love is still culturally relevant and that other people 
especially like younger generations can join in something now and then like experience all the stuff that led up to it. But on the other hand, you got to worry about like when the commercialization of it like outweighs the theatrical value per se. Like, are they making movies now just to make toys, which George Lucas always said that I'm not a filmmaker, I'm a toy maker. Um, are they making movies to really like to to celebrate the fans? Is this much like, know, different like, though? Me, like, Is it much different from what they did before? But back back when they were doing their original series, they had a lot of toys and marketing and things like this. Yeah, they did, but like it's it's um it's ridiculous now. Like, and it's and it's not even not even just toys and stuff it's not even i saw i saw uh, star know, wars advertisements for cars i saw star wars eyeliner i think something like that yeah star cover girl they've got <laughs> star wars line um you know i like it literally name food brands i have on star wars stuff um uh you know everybody's jumping on it and even more so not on the commercial end but like I've read three or four articles within the last month um, where people are using Star Wars to have like discourse. Um, so I've read a couple about uh, the comparisons between the Force and Sufi Islam, which are fascinating. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I've read one really, really messed up article about um, the, uh, the radicalization of Luke throughout the original uh, trilogy and how that compares to the radicalization of Mujahideen. Mm -hmm. um, I read one article this past week uh, written by uh, an author out in England who was commenting on how one theater chain out there, their tradition around Christmas time is to put up a Christmas prayer in front of uh, before all of their movies. Um, and now they're not doing it this year because they're too afraid that that could take away from these massive Star Wars sales and that if they put up the Christian uh, uh, poem, then all of a sudden they'd have to consider putting up a Jewish one and a Muslim one. Um, you know, there's there's Star Wars articles I've read discussing uh, gender identity, ethnic identity. Um, it's crazy, like, because it is so hot right now, everybody's trying to, like, put a put a circle in a square you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like they're trying to like, or a square into a circle. They're trying to like apply it to everything, which is great in some regards. And it's going to, you know, help to start some cool conversation. But also it's just like how far will people willing to reach in order to like build off the hype. That's why we didn't even do at the theater. We didn't even do a Star Wars promo video because like people are just, like the whole market's saturated. We wouldn't get any traction with it. Hmm. it. It wasn't gonna like you know be one of our viral hits. It's it, people you know like they need to know that we have Star Wars, but at this point like it's gotta like ease up. Like you can't get hit in the face with Star Wars anymore. Hmm. What are you guys doing for Star Wars at the theater? On opening night on Thursday night, uh, we're gonna have this whole big celebration. We're gonna have some special costumed guests. Uh, join us at the theater to take photos, uh, encouraging people to dress up. And then on Sunday this week, we're having a um, a character breakfast with Star Wars, so kids can come and have uh, Millennium Falcon and Yoda-shaped pancakes <laughs> while meeting some of the characters and getting photos taken um, with the characters, kind of like what Disney does with their character breakfast. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the, the beauty about a thing like Star Wars is that this movie has marketed itself. The 
they're projecting a $350 million box office opening weekend, uh, a record-breaking uh, tenure at the box office, uh, sales through the roof. Um, it's got a PG-13 uh, rating, meaning that it's mature enough for those fans who've been there since day one, um, but it's also family-friendly enough for the dad to say, hey, I'm going to take my kids out and treat them to something that's a big part of my life. Um, so we're going to get families in. We're going to sell concessions. It, it's it's This is like the big one that we've been waiting for all year, and any other movie theater will agree. This is arguably going to be the most successful commercially successful movie of the decade um, thus far. And it's been getting pretty good reviews um, from the individuals who have been, who went to the preview last night, a couple of celebrities putting out, um, you know, uh, fantastic tweets uh, about the, the movie. Um, so like Rain Wilson, um, I'm trying to think of everybody uh, off the top of my head. Um, uh, hold on, I'm pulling up my article now. I was just doing my research and seeing. Um, Rob Lowe says uh, it's phenomenal. Um, you know, it's Twitter stuff. Josh Gad. Um, where was the, where was the premiere? Brett Morgan. Was the it? premiere was last night in LA. In LA, okay. Yeah, I saw some tweets uh, from, they're not tweets. I don't use Twitter actually that much. Um, oh, sorry. It's sad on my website. Sorry. Yeah, no, it was um, it was a big, 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 um, big premiere, and uh, it, they've been super secretive about the whole thing. Um, so, like, when you get movie, you usually get a, a studio contract with them that says that you know, hey, we're at Universal, and we're saying that when you get Shrek, you can only show Shrek, you, or you have to show Shrek uh, three times a day for four weeks straight. Uh, and anything, if you stop doing it, it's a breach of contract, and we can draw the movie at any point. All the movies come on hard drives. Everything is monitored through Big Brother. There's no such thing as film reel anymore. Um, but with this particular contract with Disney, even the quality control screening, so the first time you screen a movie to make sure it works before the audiences, um, they had such strict regulations that you can only have you have to have one projectionist and one theater manager available for that quality control screen. You can't tweet, you can't social media, anything about it. You can't even, um, you know, if, if, you're, if you're part of that screening, you can't even acknowledge that you're part of that screening until the movie opens. Um, and they're really, this is their way of patting themselves from like the spoilers mm -hmm. um, and all that stuff that's going to, you know, like, like possibly ruin their sales. But I think at this point, like if, if, you want to see Star Wars? You're going to see Star Wars come hell or high water. Mm -hmm. So if I if I uh, wait a week after the premiere and go, see, how how safe am I from spoilers? <laughs> I don't know, honestly. I feel I pretty. I'm, by, pre I'm pretty scared. I think by by Sunday, um, no one will be safe. Fuck. <laughs> I, yeah. Sold out all of our shows on Thursday night. We sold out all of our shows on Friday night. We're close to selling out everything on Sunday or on Saturday. Uh, you know, over 30 people for that character breakfast, and then there's a movie after it on Sunday. So, like, uh, we're expecting it to be one of those movies that really hits hard and then trails off. Uh, versus like a James Bond for us, it did consistent numbers throughout every 
every day that it was here. Because it was one of those movies where people were like, hey, I like James Bond. I'm going to go see James Bond. But I don't need to go see it opening night. I can go in two weeks when I have more time. I can, you know, I can go that night when I don't have the kids. Star Wars is one of those things where it's so hyped up to this point. It has an expiration date, basically. Yeah, exactly. You've got to see it. You've got to get it in before everybody else does. And then the crazy thing about it is, like, Canadian Netflix will be streaming the movie, uh, I think, in February. They're going to have it. Um, no Air France. Really? You're going to be able to watch it on Air France starting on Thursday. You can, When you get on a plane on Air France, you can pull up and watch the Star Wars movie. Um like, it'll probably go, uh, you know, straight to pay-per-view within a matter of, like, months. Um, so it's it's going to hit big, and it hit big really quickly, and then I think it's really going to fizzle out. Mm. And there's there's a contract for three or, or more. How many are there? Uh, for th- uh, contract for what? For, for how many weeks we run it? No, how many, uh, how many films that J.J. Abrams gets to make? Oh, yeah, he's in three. Um, so I think uh, there's two years between all three of, uh, all three of them. So the next one will come out 2017. And rumor has it that the next one, um, it tells a story of how Han Solo came to be oh. uh, while, while foiling him against the story of Boba Fett. Um, and the rumor is that uh, Aaron Paul is the lead right now for young Han Solo, wow. uh, which I could see. But... Um, you know, let's work on it. Yeah, a, work on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm one of the. Uh, I'm like a huge Boba Fett fan. That's like my boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the Mandalore uh, Bantha skull symbol <laughs> like on the back of my car. I have the Boba Fett sweatshirt that zips up all the way, so you can have the Mandalore war mask. I have Boba Fett underwear, socks, t-shirts, collectibles, coffee cups. Um, you name it, I got it. So the possibility of a whole movie centered on him, like for me, it's it's almost exciting, as exciting as like the fact that Star Wars arrives in less than forty eight hours. Um, wow. Which the, the the hard drive for it is already here at the theater. We already have it. Oh man. Uh, the, the keys for it just don't go active uh, until tomorrow, um, and then we get to do our quality control screening. What's the allure to you for of, of Boba Fett? I know a lot of people love Boba Fett. What is it? So, first and foremost, when I when I saw the movies, I knew that Boba Fett was this badass dude who played by his own rules, who didn't pick sides, but he knew what was good for Boba Fett in the end. Um, the you know that that type of badassery is like all that I aspire to be because I know I can't be like, like, I wish I was that like, you know, like, like that cool or, you know, that brave or or that bold, that cavalier. Um, also the enigma of how you don't see who he is in the original trilogy. You don't really understand like what's under that mask. And that left a lot up to interpretation in my mind, like that very much well could be a little blonde boy with uh, blue eyes underneath there. And then I could picture myself as that. Mm-hmm. And then also number three, and maybe most importantly, um, he was the only character to have a jetpack in the entire trilogy. <laughs> so, so that's jetpack, a flamethrower, 
spiked boots, uh, pretty sweet rifle. He had his own ship that he just cruised in around the galaxy. Like, he was, like, the, the sci-fi is, like, one true, like, rebel without a cause. Um, watching anything burn. Um, you know, and I, I think I think I'm personally, like, drawn to characters like that because, like I said, like, I see, I see uh, qualities and traits in them that I wish... Um, that I had at moments. So, like, uh, I was a huge Sons of Anarchy fan of Jax Teller because he's this, like, rebel, uh, you know, motorcycle, motorcycle gang that doesn't play by anybody's rules. Um, or, like, even looking at the other spectrum, like, I love James Bond because, like, James Bond's part of um, the Majesty's Secret Service, uh, but he doesn't play by any of the other rules that all the agents do. He does his own thing, and he always... He always gets shit for it, and you know, M and Q are always coming down on him. Like, you can't do it this way, James. This isn't how we do it. But he's like, I don't give a fuck, and he does whatever he wants. So, um, I like that, like rebel, like attitude and uh, actions to back it up. Uh, how'd you like the new uh, the new James Bond film? I haven't seen it. It was good. It was good. Um, I don't think it was as good as um, uh, uh, Skyfall. I thought Skyfall was good. Mm-hmm. So did I. I liked Royale. Uh, uh, you know, that's just like one of those genres. Like you pay for, you know, what you're getting when you pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what I'm getting with the James Bond movie at this point. They really, they'll be hard pressed to try to, uh, you know, revitalize that or reinvent that franchise. Uh, and we've that's also like, got coming up, uh, Hateful Eight. Yeah, so um, because of the way that our movie contracts are going to ride out, we're going to get the big short at the end of the month because that's tracking really well. Um, a lot of Golden Globe nominations, two Best Actors, Best Picture. Um, so we're definitely going to get that. Um, and then because of that and some of the other obligations we'll have, we'll only be able to pick up either the Hateful Eight or The Revenant. Um, so that's a hard choice. I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. But the way that the Revenant's looking, um, the hype that it has. That's a winner. The fact, the fact that it's, yeah, the, uh, last year's uh, Academy Award for Best Film Directors, like, doing this. So, like, we're probably going to get that. And I'm not I'm not upset by that by any means. That movie looks awesome. Yeah. Um, and I love what Interatu um, did with um, Birdman, so I'm excited to see what it does with The Revenant. Um, and then I'll see, I'll see The Hateful Eight when it comes out on DVD. Mm-hmm. What's the Revenant about? I've only seen the trailer. Uh, do you know anything about it? Yeah, so it's a like colonial, like but not even colonial. I should say like exploratory time in, uh, in the New World, and um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character. He's out with his boys, and they're all hunting and trying to survive and frozen hunting. He gets separated from the group. He gets attacked by a bear. He's got no pulse, so. Uh, they think they think he's dead, and then Tom Hardy's character doesn't want to have to deal with Brad Pitt's, um, as he calls him, half-blood, because I think that he's half-Anglo, half-Native uh, American, doesn't want to have to deal with his son, so he ends up killing his son. Um, but then Leonardo like wakes up in his own tomb and realizes, shit, I'm not dead. Um, and then he's like out on this whole like revenge thing to get after Tom Hardy, so... Um, Sounds intense. It, like just the filming of it, it looks like incredible. The scenery, the landscape, 
Um, I think it's going to be Leo's last shot, truly, um, at winning uh, the Academy Award. I just don't know how many more movies he can continue to put out and just not, like, like hate himself and, like, being selected. Like, soon he's either going to have to go, like, Samuel Jackson or Nicolas Cage or just give up because it's just, like, for some reason they keep snubbing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a shame. He's just he's just working his ass off every year and and it's not here. He just doesn't get it. Also, isn't yeah. who was it? Yeah. Gary Gary Oldman never won anything. Hasn't won anything yet, or? Uh, he hasn't won either. He's the no. He's another one of those. Yep. Yeah. Okay. But um, at, at like at this point, I I feel like there's a conspiracy against poor Leo. Yeah. Like, I don't know how he can continuously miss the mark. Yeah, one of those Hollywood conspiracies, like like Dave Chappelle. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just crazy, right? Yeah, I just don't know. Like, you've got Titanic, you've got Wolf of Wall Street, you've got Inception, The Departed, uh, uh, Shutter Island, The Aviator, Catch Me If You Can, uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Uh, gangs of New York, like how, like, like, come on, like, throw the guy one bone. Yeah. Like all the movies which I've named are like classics and movies that I love watching. So what if what if uh, they just want to milk him for like more and more good movies? <laughs> that could be that could be the conspiracy is that <laughs> they uh, they don't want to give it to him because that would be complacent and uh, that, that, that would uh, instill complacency in him, but they always want him to, <laughs> to keep... <laughs> he's, a, he's the last true hope of acting. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe maybe they're just smarter than us. You think of that? <laughs> I haven't put it past me yet, man. Yeah. Um, did you... Uh, so, did you play Star Wars Battlefront? Yeah, I own it. Man, I uh, I don't have the new console, and I haven't played video games for a couple of years now. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's exactly what you expected to like uh, expand on that concept. So I knew exactly what I was buying. Like the maps are new, the characters are new, the the fact that much like a Call of Duty or any of those other uh, first-person shooters that uh, you advance levels and then you're able to get more gear and more add-ons and stuff like that. Uh, but it's really a multiplayer-based game. There's uh, there's no quest. There's no story mode. There's a couple like what they call missions, and um, those get repetitive really quickly. So if you're not an online gamer, um, you don't want to log on to PSN or Xbox Live and, and meet up with people and, and, and play on there, then it's really not the game for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I personally enjoy it. I love Battlefront. Um, I'm not a big first-person shooter fan, so this is like the getting Battlefront for me is kind of like like a breath of fresh air. It's like, oh, this is the first first-person shooter I've played in a while, but I get to play it through like through the lens of one of my favorite franchises. So it makes it that much more alluring. Um, but if I was like, if I was a huge like Call of Duty, Battlefield, uh, whatever all those games are, fan, like I, it wouldn't it wouldn't do that much for me. Did you play them back in the day? Battlefront one and two. Oh yeah, I mean that's. An- main reason why I want it. I had such fond memories of, of playing that game back in the day, of like like getting 10 kills in a row so you could spawn as Darth Vader. Like, yeah, like that 
that game was like huge. And I've played most of the Star Wars games that come out, like all the way back from uh, Shadows of the Empire and uh, Rogue Squadron on N64 or uh, Bounty Hunter on GameCube or uh, Knights of the Old Republic on Xbox, which is like Coder is one of my favorite games of all time. It's incredible. Uh, Star Wars Force Unleashed. I've played like I played them all, so I wasn't not going to get it. Of course, yeah. The Knights of the Republic could have been an incredible film, but as a video game, it it works so well. Yeah, that's one of the things too. Like, I hope the next Star Wars game is a reboot of Coder because, like, the way that games like The Witcher and um, you know, like Oblivion, like those maps. And how extensive that stuff is and the RPG aspect that you build off of your character um, like that would just be so well suited for the Star Wars universe like imagine if you had like this this vast world that you could explore and you could customize um, and like see that your favorite characters from the movies throughout this experience like that would be so freaking cool have you did you ever hear about this I don't remember what it's called now I'm looking it up right now but it, it was a it was a game that was canceled by LucasArts, and it was supposed to be uh, the story was a at least at the time that I learned about it, it's a a game where it's set in Coruscant, I think, and you are playing a crime drama sort of game. In yeah, Coruscant. Star, Star Wars Star Wars thirteen thirteen. Yeah, yeah, was the name of it. That would be amazing. Yeah, and it was that, like, they're comparing that to uh, Bounty Hunter, which is one of my favorite Star Wars games, which came out in the GameCube. Um, it was supposed to be, like, all, like, like gadgety and, like, almost, like, secret agent-y and, uh, you know, Splinter Cell type of stuff. Mm. Um, but it was, that was awesome. That was supposed to be a game entirely revolved around Boba Fett. Um, so that originally was, like, oh, my gosh. Boba Fett, an entire game dedicated to him, um, but they like said that they were gonna start making it like two, three years ago, and I haven't heard anything, uh, anything about it since. Yeah, it says it's uh it's on hold now, but they should definitely make that game. Even though I would probably I don't have any time or access to play it, but they should definitely make that. Yeah, but if you got an old console, if you got like GameCube or PlayStation uh, 2, um, go back and play Bounty Hunter because it was so good. Bounty Hunter, uh, what was that? It was Boba Fett or? Jango Fett. Jango Fett. So it took place after, um, it, it took place between episodes 1 and 2. Um, so it kind of gave more insight to who Jango Fett was. Um, so yeah, and it was sweet, like backpack and dual pistols and all these different gadgets and grappling hooks and flamethrowers and all that stuff. It was dope. Did you also watch the Clone Wars series? Um, no, I never watched the Clone Wars series. Are you talking about the new one or the old one? Um, I there've been so many. I don't actually. I didn't know there was an old or new one, but apparently it gives a lot of insight into the in between time between. Yeah, I guess one and two. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's not filmed. So I've yeah, I yeah. saw the the one in 2008, which uh -huh. was from uh, Cartoon Network. Uh -huh. um, 
I've seen that one. But now the they do have they have a reboot of it now on, on Cartoon Network, um, where it's uh, you know obviously appealing to a younger audience. Um, it just is um, you know like they introduce it's it's all like animation. It's like um, not like paper illustration animation. It's kind of like computer generated, mm-hmm. so it doesn't look as nice as I thought the uh, the old one did. Um, and it just kind of looks clunky and like too child oriented for me. So, but yeah, when they had the cartoon version, man, it really showed awesome. uh, what the the what I really had a problem with. I think it's common to have this problem with the second film or yeah, Attack of the Clones. So they uh, it was sort of a one. It was kind of a given that Obi Wan and Anakin are supposed to have this tight relationship. But two, it, you couldn't really feel it from their acting. <laughs> so if you watch, yeah, yeah, if you watch the previous or if you watch the Clone Wars series, you kind of get the the sense that they went through some shit together, and now they're here and they're they they know each other like brothers. Yeah, um, I I I even love all of the you know all of the folklore, all the fan lore, the fan fiction. Um, the graphic novels, the novels, like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, there's a lot more out than just what, like, outside of the the six movies which currently exist. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's a whole world of, of of Star Wars stuff that you could just completely get lost in. I used to, um, like, I used to read. I, uh... I, I know that I'm a huge nerd, but I'm nothing compared to like the uber nerd. Mm-hmm. I used to read when I was in elementary school. There's these. Uh, young adult novels about uh, it was Han and Leia's children who are Jedi. Uh, also, they're twins, I think. And there's I don't remember what it's called, but there's a there's these set of twins uh, who they learn Jedi shit from uh, from Luke, who's their 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 Jedi master, and they go on to there's a young Jedi academy that that Luke has opened. Things like this it was really cool. To yeah, read as so a kid. that's one of the that's one of the theories that's been floating around right now with the the, uh, the movie that's coming out this week, Force Awakens, um, is that the female character, which we're seeing a lot of, uh, that she is one of the twins of Han and Leia, mm-hmm. and that Kylo Ren, uh, the antagonist in the movie with that sweet ass lightsaber, mm-hmm. that he's her twin brother. Holy shit! Um, so. Yeah, that's one of the theories right now. Um, I've read some absurd theories that Kylo Ren is actually Jar Jar Binks. Um, <laughs> have you have like you looked was, into that theory? Like, there's on YouTube huh? they explain that they, there's explanations of Jar Jar Binks being being the the ultimate Sith Lord. Yeah, like playing playing the fool to like trick everybody else and like totally Kaiser so saying the holy the Star Wars universe. Um, so like I've heard that. Uh, my own personal. Uh, theory is that Kylo Ren is uh, is Luke Skywalker um, in his twilight years, um, seeing throughout the original trilogy how Luke goes from this young, um, hopeful boy who wants to accomplish big things to, you know, the last movie. Uh, you rarely you rarely see him in a scene where he's not wearing all black. Um, you know, the how he becomes more machine. Uh, through his new hand, 
Um, so I see it as like the perpetuation of that cycle um, mm -hmm. and that they're just reinventing the story for a new generation uh, and building off what they know to be tried and true, which is the hero's journey. So I think that that's my philosophy. Um, there's also, you know, theories that uh, the, the lead guy, um, I don't know his name, um, that he's the son of um, Leia and Lando Calrissian. Um, That's scandalous. Like, there, there's, um, there's a lot of theories, and it's only a matter of hours before we know what's actually true and what's not. They've kept it under wraps that tight that people don't even know the roles of these characters. No, yeah, like uh, Finn. Finn's the, the one of the leads. So Finn and Ray, I think, are the two leads. Um, uh, both John Boyega and Daisy Ridley's characters, respectively. Um, but like nobody knows like who they are, what's going to happen, um, who's Kylo Ren, who's Captain Phasma, who seems to be the um, you know uh, that's the stormtrooper that's got all the chrome on. And I've read, like, apparently she's a girl. Um, so, like, there's just a lot. They've given away enough to have the super nerds uh, get nostalgic, um, but to also have the uh, the new audiences be attracted to it. But they there's no, there's no spoilers, and they've kept it under wraps so well. So the trailers are actually really well done then. I've only seen the first one, and then I cut myself off. Yeah, and there's different trailers crafted for different stuff, and you and you'll notice when those trailers air. Um, so uh, the first trailer, which they the, they showed on TV, mm -hmm. was a short, quick one, uh, and at the end it was Han. You mm -hmm. hear him go, Chewie, we're home, and then him and Chewbacca pop up on screen. So that that commercial was obviously that was geared towards the fanboys, um, but then uh, they aired. Uh, another theatrical commercial during one of the Monday night football games. And that whole commercial was focused on like TIE fighter, X-wing battles, lightsaber duels and stormtroopers rolling out. So you could see that they're trying to play off of like the male, like machismo, like guns and planes and armies and all that stuff. So, you know, Disney's no dummy. Like they, they have a formula, they have a recipe for all this shit and they do it all the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, they were very smart with the way they rolled out this marketing, um, you know, building the hype up through the people that ride or die for the series and then gradually introducing it to the larger population. And now it's at a point where, like, if you don't know Star Wars is coming out this Thursday, I don't know what rock you've been living under. <laughs> there's, a, there's some people I've been meeting. They don't they actually don't know, but I don't know what the hell's wrong with them. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I don't have my ticket, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna go and um, go snap photos in the line. That's all. That's, that's yeah, all I'm gonna do. Uh, yeah. You're a shit out of luck, Wayman. Yeah, I'm I'm totally fucked. Um, but unless definitely... you want to fly all the way out here to Richfield, Connecticut. <laughs> oh, word, really? Yep. You got Be some spots. Yeah, I know. Is is so? Is the is the Prospector Theater one of the go-to's in your community or do people still prefer or default to the, the big ones no uh i mean we're the the only movie theater within a 10 mile radius oh, okay. um and what we've found is that uh even with the competition like we're blowing them out of the water uh so uh, within a 25 mile radius we are completely we're um 
in most cases were double the amount of ticket sales of any competing four screen cinema in the area um, are where about $100,000 in ticket sales above um, an eight screen cinema in the area. And the only one that's truly beating us is a uh, is a 22 screen uh, megaplex that's um uh, that's about 20 miles down the road. Um, I mean, and, and people at the end of the day, like 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 the, our our model is like kicking ass, but because our nonprofit mission is to provide job training opportunities, we have 104, 104 employees on our payroll, 70% of whom identify with a disability. Mm-hmm. Um, so that doesn't make us sustainable at all as a business because most movie theaters, um, you know, uh, you're talking large megaplexes of 16 to 20 something screens. They usually only employ anywhere from 16 to 24 people. So uh, we have like five times the amount of workers of your average theater. Um, so uh, hypothetically, if we wanted to make this business in- incredibly sustainable, like we could do so, but it's at the sake of of uh, of the employees, of the prospects here, who have waited their whole life for uh, the opportunity to work. Um, but mm-hmm. needless to say, we're killing the competition. And That's people cool. want to come here because they get their awesome blockbuster movies, but they also get that personal experience they're not going to get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Uh, how much is a, is a, is a ticket uh, at your theater? It's uh, $10, and then uh, for uh, 3D, it's $13. That's that's great. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm coming from uh, the San Francisco perspective where it could be 18 bucks for just a normal movie here, which is... Yeah, we're uh, and we're competitive, um, and, you know, with a, a couple exceptions, we're lower than the average ticket price in the area. We're lower than most cinemas. Mm-hmm. So people are spending less, uh, they're getting more, and they're supporting something that's meaningful. Mm-hmm. That's great. All right, so we're coming up on our time. Uh, I'm going to stop the the recording uh, after we close out, uh, but we can, we're can we going to continue talking off of the record, <laughs> so to speak. Because, uh, yeah. yeah, we haven't talked in, what, two years? I know, Wayman, it's been too long. Thanks for being on Fun Boat Diplomacy, man. It's been great. No problem. And then let me holler at you with that um fun bloat. Oh, blah, blah, blah. I just said fun bloat, so you can't use that snippet. <laughs> it's all good. Maybe you can do it on your own time and practice. Practice <laughs> more. <laughs> yeah, word. All right, man. Take care. Take care, Mike. All right, I'll talk to you soon, Wayman. Peace.